All right, we got Friday, ladies and gentlemen. How we doing? Ready for the weekend? Uh, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Uh, hope your Friday is going along well so far. We got a lot of things going on today. We've got uh, Sooner Spring football to talk about. Uh, Oklahoma baseball taking on Texas in a three-game set at Globe Life Field in Arlington. Night game tonight. Noon games on Saturday and Sunday. OU softball back in action tonight against UAB at Marita Hines Field at six thirty, and then a Saturday game at one o'clock to. A- two-game set uh, between Oklahoma and Alabama-Birmingham. We have the Final Four this weekend. The Thunder hosting Cade Cunningham and the Pistons tonight at the Paycom Center. We've got a lot of things going on. Brandon Drum's going to join us at 135 and talk a little OU football and OU recruiting. So, Parker, you guys got out early today, got another opportunity to go see the Sooners. This is amazing. This access is incredible. I tell you what, Mike, I've never been happier to get an email at 6.30 in the morning saying, come on out to practice in two hours. Like, typically, that would be – and the media that were present, like, generally, it's like 30 of us. That group was a lot leaner today because I would imagine most folks weren't yet awake when the email went out saying, hey, practice Friday morning is going to be open. But that's the kind of 11th hour email that you love to get. Mike, and hey, look, this morning's practice yielded a couple of very key observations, one of which Justin is Harrington, Justin Harrington That's back. amazing. Justin Harrington is back. And uh, the question is, will we see a different Justin Harrington in the defensive backfield now because he was coached mainly by a hype video specialist uh, in Roy Manning, uh, you know, who, in my opinion, wasn't that quality. I mean, the videos are right. Uh, the – Coaching maybe a little bit suspect, but how about Justin Harrington? He's always looked like a guy with a lot of potential. He's very big and lanky and looks like, uh, you know, he has what it takes to be a good uh, defensive back. You know, they played him at corner a lot, obviously. Not a lot, but when he was in there, that's uh, where he was playing mainly. So what do you think about his potential coming back to Oklahoma? Well, I think he was misused by Alex Grinch. I don't think it takes a Rhodes Scholar to look at that kid and say, okay, he's a safety, he's not a cornerback. And Alex Grinch tried to use him as a cornerback. And was entering the transfer portal midseason a really dumb and myopic decision? Certainly. And look, he's going to have to earn his keep, so just a couple stipulations here. He's not on scholarship right now. He's going to have to earn his scholarship back. He's also been stripped of his jersey number. He's wearing 37 instead of his former 16. And this is the type of process where, I mean, he had to beat down the door, Mike, in order to get a second chance at Oklahoma because what he did is completely antithetical to everything that Brent Venables has expressed that he wants from his players or that he respects about a player. We heard the comment that Brent Venables made when he was hired about players that enter the transfer portal and walk away from their team. You even heard Muleshoe make a similar comment towards the end of last season. Justin Harrington wasn't welcome back at Oklahoma for quite a while there, but ultimately, here's what it came down to. It was probably going to be the end of the line for him if he didn't get a second chance at Oklahoma because he had no takers in the transfer portal. And so it was going to be Oklahoma or it was going to be nowhere. And I think at the end of the day, Brent Venables, being a man of very high character, understood that, and he realized, you know what, if we don't give this young man another shot, 
he may never play football again. And he's going to have to earn his keep, and he's going to have to prove that he's willing to do it the right way and work his tail off to be part of this program, but we're going to give him the chance to do so. And Justin Harrington, Mike, let me tell you, he was very impressive this morning at practice. Very impressive. That does not look like a guy that just took six months off of organized football. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's good to see him get a second chance because we talked about his potential a lot. You know, I remember uh, going into last fall, maybe keep an eye on Justin Harrington. He certainly has what looks to be a good set of physical tools to play the position. And you may be right. He may be playing out of position last year. Maybe he was. But uh, to get another chance, the kid's got to be hungry. You're right. This could be the very last opportunity for him. Certainly in college it will be, but uh, who knows? Who knows what could happen with that new staff? Maybe they can get him uh, re-energized, revitalized, and feeling confident again, and maybe he'll be able to make some plays for the Sooners. We'll see. Got to earn that scholarship back first, though. What was the other surprise besides Justin Harrington? Did you have another one? Is that it? That, that was the only big surprise, I would say. I mean, as with every practice I thought Marcus Dupree make... was coming back or something. Uh, you know? no. I, I, okay, so I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this much. Uh, there is another new addition to the program. I don't believe he is yet listed on the online roster, and that would be walk-on running back Tawi Walker out of the Las Vegas area. Now, his story is fascinating. And for those of you that are unfamiliar, I, I wrote a story on OUinsider.com about it a couple months back when he initially committed to Oklahoma. But Tawi Walker was an unrecruited high school safety that graduated in, I want to I say it was 2019. Yes, it was 2019. So he spent the 2019 season at one of those post-grad football institutions, pseudo schools, kind of like... Kind of like Bishop Sycamore, almost. Really? Yes. Wow. So, like, it's one of those situations where it's all the dudes that get done playing high school ball, don't have any takers as far as college, but they want to keep playing and still think they have a shot. For the vast majority of those guys, it never works out, right? But for Tawi Walker, he went, played a year of post-grad football at, I can't even remember what the place is called or what... I don't even want to call it a school because I don't even know if it is that. I don't know if it's accredited. But he spent a year at this post-grad football institution, took a year completely off of football, re-enrolled at Palomar Junior College this past year, switched to running back, and all he did was rush for 1,000 yards in eight games. And from what he told me when we spoke on the phone after he committed to Oklahoma, DeMarco Murray called up his connections out there in Vegas and said, hey, I need the best junior college running back from around there. And that was how Tawi Walker uh, came to get in contact with DeMarco Murray. He also goes back a long way with Ramondre Stevenson. Those two played ball together all growing up. And from what I have heard, from what I have heard leading up to today from sources on Tawi Walker is that that dude resembles a baby Ramondre Stevenson. Well, like that's Sooner a guy, fans can get excited about yeah. that then. He's he's a downhill runner, not super elusive, not a guy that's going to change direction on you, but he's just going to try and bowl you over. And there's a lot of belief, based on the people I spoke to, 
that he could one day earn a scholarship and maybe contribute in a Lee Morris-esque type of role for Oklahoma, right? He's a walk-on that ends up being a little bit more than just another depth body. Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, running back stories at OU where a guy comes out of nowhere. Uh, Jacob Gutierrez, maybe a little bit back Jacob in the day. Jacob Gutierrez. Wasn't Dominic Whaley working at, like, Subway? And, uh, you know, walked on at OU, ended up, uh, you know, uh, having a few moments uh, at running back at OU. So you never know what's going to happen. But uh, if if you just mentioned Ramondre Stevenson, and maybe he's somewhat similar to Ramondre Stevenson, Sooner fans can get excited so, about that. So I had heard all of this about Tawi Walker. I had heard the buzz about him. Had never – well, I guess I had seen him. It didn't register in my brain at that point that that was who that was. He joined the team late last week uh, when they were already deep into the throes of – uh, spring practice and getting their uh, feet off the ground. So I made it a point to watch Tawi Walker today. That dude's one of the thickest football players I've ever seen. He's not much more than five foot nine, but he's got the he's got the fabled legs like tree trunks, Mike. He's just got very well built muscular calves. He's stocky. He's probably—I would say he's probably like 225, 230 pounds at not much more than five foot nine. So he's very compact, very sturdily built, and he's the type of player where you know if you need somebody to punch it in from the one yard line, he'd be the type of guy that you turn around and hand the ball to. He's almost like a sawed-off fullback. So low center of gravity, tough to get a good hit on because you said he's about 5'9", but he's got the tree trunk legs. Sounds like somebody that would be good around the goal line. So we'll see. Tommy Walker, again, other news uh, that Parker's talking about from watching a little spring football today. We're 22 days out from the spring game, April 23rd, 3 o'clock. Baker Mayfield's statue dedication is going to be at halftime. It will be at halftime. And, uh, again, we were wondering, okay, well, I, I thought we heard initially it was going to be afterwards. No, it's going to be at halftime uh, during the game. So 22 days out a week, uh, three weeks from tomorrow for the Sooner Spring football game. All right, uh, I am watching the World Cup draw right now, and we know that we have three of the four teams in uh, Team USA's group, the U.S. men's national team. Group B, we already know, obviously, it's USA, the U.S. men's national team, England also in the same group, and Iran so far. I ran so far away, I couldn't get away. Flock of seagulls. All right, uh, and we're still waiting to see who the fourth team coming into that group will be as they're drawing out the uh, lottery balls right now. So we know it's England, uh, Team USA, and Iran so far in Group B. All right, let's take a break right here. I want to thank our friend Tim Lasher, his great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They're family-owned and operated. They've been servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007. You can give them a call. Anything you need related to heating and air conditioning, you got an issue, they'll fix it for you. Area code 405 579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. I ran, I ran so far away. Oh, what a great song. They also did Space Age Love Song. Kind of their minor hit. All right, the Flock of Seagulls, we're going to flock to a break right now. Come back, talk a little more Sooner Spring football next. 
Welcome back, Friday. Thank you to Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour. It's Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network on a Friday. And uh, we know now in Group B for the uh, World Cup in uh, Qatar. And uh, Group B, it'll be uh, the U.S. men's national team, England, Iran, and a slot to be filled by Europe. It will be the winner of Wales and Scotland that would play USA first. You play everybody, obviously, in your group. But England, Iran, U.S. men's national team. And uh, it, if you're watching the draw, it says Europe. And uh, it would be a basically a play-in match between Wales and Scotland. So uh, I don't know a whole lot about that kind of football, um, you know, suffering Arsenal fan in the Premier League, but I do get excited for the World Cup, and based on what I'm seeing some from some buddies on Twitter and uh, some of the soccer aficionados out there, they're saying this is a pretty good draw for Team USA. So good to be back in the World Cup, and that's what we have so far in terms of the draw for the U.S. men's national team. Okay, uh, receiver position for the Sooners. Who is going to be that guy? It Certainly the first guy you're looking at, obviously, is Marvin Mims. Dylan Gabriel feels pretty comfortable, he says, already with his group of receivers in Norman. Uh, You know, as soon as he got on campus, he started getting in contact with them, and they started, you know, playing a little pitch and catch. So Dylan Gabriel talking about the receivers he's working with so far. I think it's farther along than I thought it would be, right, Um, just with the short amount of time, but I think we sped that up on purpose, you know, just with, with the QBs and the receivers, knowing that we would have to get ahead so that during spring we could make the you know, the necessary things to build the continuity we want, you know, going into summer, fall camp. Um, but I feel really good about it. Winter was really good. Winter workouts, you know, winter throwings. Um, I feel really good about all the guys, you know, and obviously during those throwing sessions we got a lot closer. So um, just through it all. I feel like we're farther along than than I thought I would or thought we would be. So I'm pretty proud about that. All right. So I'm sure uh, you know in that interim period before the Sooners hired a new coaching staff, Marvin Mims was going, "Man, who's going to be throwing the football to me next year?" I yeah, have no, no doubt. Idea. I why. have no idea. You know, it's probably part of the reason why the news came out that he was strongly considering the transfer portal. Yeah, at that point, you can't blame him. But finally, he had a meet up with Dylan Gabriel, and it was very interesting. Whenever Dylan committed. Um, I think Lebby, it was either Lebby or Gundy, they called me saying, hey, like, DG's going to call you later, like, just give me a heads up. I was like, okay, like, that's cool. And then it's kind of like you're getting ready for, like, a first date. Like, so you don't know how it's going to go. Like, it's going to be weird or anything like that. But he called me, like, real cool guy. He's like, yeah, let me know when you get up here, blah, blah, blah. So um, we got up here, and then we went out to eat. And then we threw a little bit. And, like, that first day, like, lefty balls, I mean, it's coming in weird. But um, just with <laughs> – more practice with it, more repetition, learning the offense, stuff like that. I mean, like I said, like we're ahead, like way more than we should be, just because he's he's done it. All right, so uh, Marvin Mims would certainly be that guy. And you think about go-to guys at OU: C.D. Lamb, D.D. Westbrook, obviously Hollywood Brown as well. Marvin Mims, you know, if there's one guy to look at, he certainly would be that guy. And you, you know, one of the most historic plays in the history of the OU Texas game will be that pass from Caleb Williams to Marvin Mims—a spectacular play on both ends uh, for the Sooners there. Let's hear from Cale Gundy, though. He was asked this question uh, yesterday. Does this Jeff 
Jeff Levy offense lend itself to a go-to receiver? In this system, we've got a, we're going to have a chance for you know several guys to have a lot of catches. Um, I mean, we we do our job as an offense and coaches and players. I mean, we're going to have you know we're going to have multiple guys with you know higher number of catches than we've had around here in a while. So um, it's just you know the system's not just built to throw the ball to one person every single time. So that's the beauty of it. I mean, this ball is going to be spread around to a lot of playmakers. And, um, you know, obviously there's, you know, as a, as, a, as a quarterback, you'll get in situations and you start to become comfortable with some guys and maybe have a little bit tighter uh, trust with some guys here and there that, you know, they may get a few more balls than the other guys. Uh, but, um, again, we're going we're gonna to have, a, you know, a good five, six strong receivers that are going to be able to go out there. And, um, and because of the way we're playing in our offense, um, I think we're going to have – you know, guys with a lot of receptions. All right, so obviously the defense can dictate to a certain extent where the ball is going, but it felt like it was a little uh, receiver socialism for a while. Did you feel that way, Parker? Is, is that because of the defense? Is that because – That's a very good way to put it. You know, I, I mean, it, it kind of felt that way. So how do you envision this season, you know, playing out for the Sooner receivers, at least early in the year? You'll see a lot of – targets and catches for Marvin Mims look beyond that I think Jaleel Farouk is going to have a big year uh I I big year is probably a little strong I think he'll have a moderately productive year that he'll be able to build on into a strong 2023 because I would say the expectation right now is that if Marvin Mims has the year we're all expecting he probably bounces to the NFL so at that point Jaleel Farouk probably becomes the guy and I think Theo Weiss is poised for a bounce-back campaign. Obviously, after sitting out the entirety of the 2021 season with that foot injury, he was the dude that more often than not moved the chains for the Sooners in 2020. He picked up the nickname Third Down Theo. And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, him and Drake Stoops are going to be your possession receivers for Oklahoma in 2022. But I do expect that the vast majority of the targets are going to go Marvin Mims's way because he's just too talented. He's too talented not to give the ball to. And that was one of the critical mistakes that Muleshoe made, was not leveraging the talent that he had. And it didn't, it didn't take a rocket scientist to see that the Sooners' offense was at its best, Mike, in each of the last two seasons when Marvin Mims was getting the football. Because when he gets the ball in his hands, stuff just happens. No doubt. He's a playmaker. He is a definite playmaker for Oklahoma, and he clearly, if there is a go-to guy, it, it's uh, it's going to be Marvin Mims. All right, but a breakout guy. We've talked about Mims, Theo Weiss, Jalil Farouk, who had a really good Alamo Bowl performance against Oregon. Drake Stoops has turned into a really solid player and a very reliable uh, possession receiver for the Sooners as well. Uh, then you've got guys like Trayvon West. You've got Brian Darby. You've got Cody Jackson. Is it? What about Jaden Gibson, man? He looks like a man out there. I mean, he's six five. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't expect that he's going to have a, you know a ton of catches. But what do you think this fall looks like for him, or maybe even uh, Nick Alexander? Would they get some time? Nick Alexander. Yes. Nicholas, right? Oh, Nick, Nicholas Anderson. Nicholas Anderson, Anderson, Anderson okay. my yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Took, Rodney's brother. Jeez. Took me a second. I'm losing my mind. I think Jaden Gibson's almost too big not to use in the red zone. 
I mean, he looks uh, like doesn't he look? He always has. He looks like a, a, a Harold Carmichael, a Calvin Johnson looking guy that's just big and can go up and make catches for you. Yeah, look, no nobody is Calvin Johnson. There's only one of that guy. It's like comparing anybody to Adrian Peterson. It's just unfair. But it is undeniable that Jaden Gibson has more size than any other receiver on the Oklahoma roster, and it's really not close. He towers over everybody else. And so that's a guy where, say you're facing first and goal from the eight-yard line, Mike, and you want to be able to take advantage of a one-on-one matchup on the outside with a goal line fade or at least have the defense have to account for that possibility, Jaden Gibson's the guy you put in the game. And so I think by virtue of his size alone – He's going to be difficult to keep off the field in year one, and I don't think he gets used a ton. I'll say that. I think his usage is going to be very limited, very sporadic, and very narrowly defined. But I do think you will see Jaden Gibson utilized as a freshman. Nick Anderson, I don't know about. Uh, And I think that's just because he's not as tall as Jaden Gibson. You know, Jaden Gibson, it's real easy to say, okay, yep, that guy is going to be able to have an impact for this team because there's nobody else that has what he has in terms of size. Nick Anderson, to me, probably doesn't have as immediate of an impact as Jaden Gibson, but I do really like what he brings to this program. Obviously, he's got OU DNA with brother Rodney having been a standout running back here at the University of Oklahoma. So uh, he actually, he rooms with Caden Helms. I think both those dudes have the opportunity to be cornerstones for this Oklahoma passing attack by 2024, I would say. And you'll see them uh, you'll see them used before then. I'm not saying, yeah, uh, you're going to have to wait till 2024 to see what Caden Helms and Nicholas Anderson have to offer, but what I am saying is by the time those dudes are juniors, I think they'll be serious players for Oklahoma. Yeah, those were two good gets for Oklahoma down the stretch, and and, uh, and Nicholas Anderson is one of those. But I'm mainly talking about uh, when you talk about Jaden Gibson, you link him with Nick Evers because both those kids were committed to Florida, and the Sooners were able to get them away from the Gators and uh, make them a part of the 2022 class, and they both look like they could be big-time playmakers for Oklahoma in the future, no doubt about it. All right, by the way, I'm looking at the Group B draw now, and I guess Ukraine is also part of that European playoff. It said Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine. So Group B, the draw for Team USA in terms of the World Cup. Uh, U.S. men's national team in the same group with England, Iran, and then a, a European qualifying team, which will be Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine is what I'm seeing now. So there you go. Trying to keep that straight. I, I am by no means a soccer expert, but I do get fired up for the World Cup. I'm. I don't even pretend to know anything about soccer, Mike. Not never, my lane. You I never stay played FIFA. I think I've maybe played it one time, once or twice. Well, at least we're back in the World Cup. That's the main thing, right? That's cool. All right, we're gonna break right here. Come back and talk about the Final Four. It's all set for tomorrow night in New Orleans. And uh, Tiger, we're still waiting on word, man. Let us know. You think Tiger just said, "Well, I haven't pulled out of the field. Maybe he just shows up on the tee box at Augusta." next week i would expect some kind of announcement hopefully coming down today we'll talk about that later too keep it here that sound means it's man crush time uh, it's uh, i'm still waiting still waiting on the news for tiger 
Nothing yet. Like I said, I, maybe it's a possibility that Tiger's in the field. You know, never withdrew. Never, you know, Harris English said he couldn't play the other day uh, because of uh, injuries that he's been dealing with. So he's not ready to go. So maybe there it, there won't be an announcement. I would think, though, with a guy of Tiger's stature, the needle in golf, that there will be an announcement coming, and hopefully sometime today, but nothing yet as to whether or not Tiger Woods is going to play at Augusta coming up next week. We know he played a practice round with his son Charlie and his good buddy Justin Thomas on Tuesday, and uh, one observer, you know, a nameless, anonymous observer, at least in the ESPN story, I think it was it Bob Herrig who had the story, uh, said that Tiger looked good out there, so... We'll see. We'll see if there's any news. I mean, what, today. were they going to tell you Tiger looked bad, though? I don't know. Were they going to be like, yeah, he sucked, actually. He's definitely not ready for Augusta. He could have said, uh, well, he was hobbling around there and looked like he was having a hard time, maybe physically, you know what I mean, with the leg. That would have been maybe the only thing that uh, could have been noticed, maybe by somebody out there, one of the club members or whatever. But, yeah, because I think the swing is always going to look good for Tiger Woods, but whether or not he can walk the course. But it, uh, all signs are pointing to him playing. It's not a done deal by any means, but if you ask me yes or no, I'm saying yes right now. And this is a big departure from, uh, you know, like 10 days ago or two weeks ago where I thought, yeah, Tiger might show up. Maybe he plays the par three based on what he was saying. And, you know, you, you get very few nuggets from Tiger Woods. He's very private. You know, you got to hear from him, uh, you know, at the Genesis. You got to hear from him at the uh, PNC when he played with Charlie, that kind of stuff, where he'll drop a little information here and there. But we, we finally got that video from somebody who got the uh, the video of Tiger and Joey LaCava, his caddy, out at Medalist, uh, you know, what, now almost uh, a week ago. I guess last weekend we thought, hey, what's going on here, man? That's that's not just Tiger. That's his caddy out there with him, Joey Lacava. Things must be getting pretty serious about Tiger trying to make a run at Augusta and trying to at least get up there and play. But nothing yet today. All right, but I want to talk about the final four right here and uh, who is under the most pressure as a head coach this weekend. Uh, I- <laughs> Coach K? Coach K. Like, without question? I would say definitely without question because Bill Self is never under pressure. Hubert Davis is in his first year as a head coach. Mm-hmm. To, so to have UNC where they're at right now is already a massive win. Jay and Wright, Jay Wright is the only coach over the past decade with multiple national he's, championships. He's won a couple already, yes. Uh, the other Villanova has three national titles. The other one was Raleigh Massimino and that uh, surprising team that upset Georgetown there in Lexington in 1985, shot 90% in the uh, second half of that game and beat what looked to be a almost invincible Georgetown team in that championship game. Bill Self, though, he's done a tremendous job at Kansas, Edmonds' very own, former Oklahoma State Cowboy, his father who passed recently so big with the, uh, you know, all the, the high schools and the Oklahoma Secondary Schools Activities Association, leading that organization for a while. So uh, very much an Oklahoman, but firmly planted in Kansas as a legend already with the Jayhawks. But only one, just one national championship. That's it. That's it. KU had the championship, the, uh, the Wilt team back in, in the day. 
Ironically, you know, you look at teams that have won. There are seven schools that have won three or more national titles. UCLA, the Wizard of Westwood, John Wooden had 11. Uh, Kentucky with eight. North Carolina had six. Auburn, or not Auburn, what am I talking about? Uh, Duke. Auburn. I, I'm losing my mind. Duke has five. Indiana has five. Uh, UConn has four. Kansas, three. And Villanova, three. But Kansas hasn't won since 2008, and uh, that was that Mario Chalmers team that beat Memphis, obviously. Great game. Chalmers hit the big shot. So Bill Self only has one national championship. Now, remember when Roy Williams left Kansas, he hadn't won a national championship. Roy Williams wound up with three national titles. Uh, Bill Self would love to get another one. So he was asked the other day, you know, in this blue blood final four and where Kansas stacks up, how important is winning another natty, not only to the school, but your legacy as well? Here's what Bill Self had to say. I've given thought about what a second championship would mean in our tenure here, but I haven't really thought much about it from a legacy standpoint. You know, I, 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 I do think this. Uh, I started thinking about it today, and I don't want to put our program down, but you know, Villanova's won a couple here recently. Hey, Duke's won a couple in the last decade uh, or, or 11 years or whatever it's been. Hey, Carolina's won a couple in, in, in you know in a, in amount of time. So, I do think for for our program it is you know without question one of the top programs in the country. I mean, nobody can debate that at all. But for it to be thought of as the equal of anybody else's, you know, we 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 gotta we gotta cut down nets on Monday night. Uh, 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 you know, do more of that because we can stack up against anybody in every, any particular area. But when you talk about total number of national championships, uh, we're, we're we're behind uh, uh, obviously some some of the other blue bloods that we can uh, compete with. So I don't know about my legacy, but for the program and and and, and the historic nature of it, I, I think that it certainly would add something very significant to it. No doubt, and uh, you think about Kansas and. Uh, just three seems a little bit odd, right? 1988, obviously beat the Sooners there at Kemper Arena, and that, that was an upset. You know, Kansas played a great game that night. I still am firmly convinced the Sooners are the best team in the country that year, but they weren't the best team on that night in the second half. It was, it was a great game. What was it, 50 all, I believe, at halftime. Um, but, again, it, it's a little bit like Oklahoma football when you're talking about Kansas. You know, the Sooners have had a drought winning a national title since two, 2000. And for a program like Kansas basketball to have not won a title uh, going on 14 years now, that's a lot. And when you think about since 88, that is a 34-year run where Kansas has had two national titles. And you expect a little more. Again, great program, but you expect a little more than that at KU. Yeah, it's a, I, I remember that last national title vividly. I mean, how can you not with the Mario Chalmers shot? But I remember, like, I was, what, 9, 10 at the time? The, but those couple years, Memphis and Kansas in the national title in 2008 and Michigan State and North Carolina the following year. Uh, in my bracket, I had picked both of those national championship matchups perfectly. So I had Memphis versus Kansas in 08. I had Michigan State, North Carolina in 09. And I had Memphis over Kansas. And so naturally I was pulling for the Tigers in that one. That was the uh, that was the Derrick Rose year. And, of course, Mario Chalmers hits the shot. They go to overtime, and Kansas is cutting down the nets. North Carolina, I, I picked them the next year, so I got that one. So it went one for two. But, uh, yeah, it's – 
it's hard to believe it's been that long because Kansas is one of those programs, Mike, where where they seem to be right there every single year, don't they? Like if they're not in the Final Four, they're making a deep run. Well, and every now and again, there's yeah, an exception. Yeah, Last there's... year, they got housed in the round of 32 by mm-hmm. USC. So there have been some moments. Wisconsin Green Bay was one, right? Was it uh, Rhode Island at the Myriad, where you know they have have some failures uh, here and there? Was it Northern Iowa uh, that I'm thinking about also? Oh, Northern Iowa. Yeah, it was Iowa. Northern Iowa. It was Northern Ali Iowa. That's who it was. Yeah. So that that they've had a few failures, but yes, you expect more from Kansas. By the way, that 1952. Kansas National Championship team. You know who was a player on that team? Who was a player on that team? Dean Smith, who would go on to win titles at North Carolina, of course. Wow. But he was a he was a player on that Kansas team. So coached both, by coached by Fog Allen, by the way. So both Dean and Roy have Jayhawk heritage. Yes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I wonder if we end up with Kansas and UNC in the national title game, if the Kansas fans are going to hold that over the Tar Heels head. Man, I don't know. that. Uh, I, I'm thinking we're going to get Duke-Kansas on Monday night, but, man, Carolina's been playing great basketball. They've been playing really, really good basketball of late, and Brady Manick has been a big part of that, so we'll see. Uh, Duke and Carolina have never met in the NCAA tournament. Never. And uh, that's going to be a special game that will tip uh, a little bit before 8 o'clock on Saturday night, the primetime game. KU and Villanova tip at 510. Both those games, again, on TBS this weekend, not CBS. They are TBS games. And I believe the championship game is a TBS game, too, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look it up. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, we'll take a break right here. Thank you to Tim Lasher. Lasher, Home Comfort Systems, a great company. Great former Sooner, great current company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Give them a call, 405-579-3113. All right. One guy thinks that if Tiger plays, he's serious about winning or he wouldn't be there, and we'll tell you who it is when we get back. Friday night's. We all love Friday night, and you can have a great time on a Friday night or any night over at Riverwind Casino. The Friday night promotional drawings will be back uh, next Friday. But I can tell you we have the 10K April Fool's Play already underway at Riverwind. That promotion is uh, already underway, and those uh, playing blackjack during the qualifying time, which uh, started April 1st, started at midnight and runs through April 22nd. If you're playing uh, blackjack during that qualifying time period, you'll have a chance to receive $50 in chips for hitting a six-card hand without busting. And then on April 23rd, any remaining prize amounts will be given away in random hot seat drawings every half hour starting at 7 o'clock on April 23rd. We also have the Beats and Bites lineup. The Outdoor Concert Series kicks off on May 28th with a big-time show, Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas. Outdoors at Riverwind, uh, the great craft beers from Coop Ale Works, all those food trucks out there, some great music outdoors at Riverwind Casino. Night Ranger and Starship get it started on May 28th, June 18th, Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. Then July 9th, it'll be the Randy Rogers Band, uh, followed by a fireworks show. And then on July 30th, the Scotty McCreary Band. 
uh, will take the stage at the Beats and Bites Festival outdoors. Food trucks everywhere. It's a great time to be had. Only five bucks per ticket. Get yours online right now at Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Okay, uh, Tiger Woods, ladies and gentlemen, still awaiting, still awaiting. By the way, can we? Can you pull up? I should have given you uh, the Tiger Woods Open that's on that sheet. The Tiger Woods Open that has said, yeah, right there. Uh, this, I had a uh, a follower on Twitter, uh, a dude who uh, put the video to this. This is an old open I cut a long time ago for Tiger Woods and. A guy, this was right after Tiger went into the World Golf Hall of Fame, which was very recent. Uh, and he said, hey, Steely, I made a video of your audio. So, yes, let's get fired up about Tiger possibly playing at Augusta. On the tee from USA, Tiger Woods. Get ready. Woo! We are tour, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. You knew that I was going to be the biggest star of them all. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. I know a lot of people in this room thought I was done, but I'm not. Now let's do this. There you go. Tiger meets Joe Inspirational and the uh, Blackhearts there. Man, that, that, was that audio that looked – it didn't look like it was that loud in the other production room. That's weird. It, it Hopefully it wasn't too bad in the air. But uh, it just looked uh, – the file looks a lot louder than I cut it in the other room. But, you know, difference between production rooms, I guess. All right. Uh, so, anyway, uh, Tiger, we're waiting. We're waiting right now for your announcement. I don't know. I, doesn't it feel like he should make an announcement? Someone with the Tiger team should make an announcement, or Augusta, or maybe he's just Tiger Woods. He hasn't withdrawn from maybe the field. He just, maybe he's just going to show up like, on man, Thursday, and that'll I, be that. I never said I was you know, not going to play, right? I never said that. So, I mean, he's in the field. He'll be in the field as long as he wants to be as a former champion. How ironic is it, though, if you think about this, Phil Mickelson, who won the PGA in an amazing display, nobody thought Phil was going to win last year at Kiowa Island at the PGA Championship, and he was phenomenal. Uh, Phil, right now, this is definitely a PGA Tour slash Augusta kind of thing, why he's not playing. There's no way that Phil's making that call. I don't care about sponsorship money or what, what he's lost, not wanting to face the media. He would be at Augusta National if he could be. It's, it's not a Phil decision. But for Tiger to potentially be playing next week and Phil not be there, nobody would have guessed that. Nobody. But you never know. You never know what's going to happen. All right, Tiger's old swing coach, Hank Haney, has a a show. Hank Haney has a show on uh, Sirius XM uh, talking about the PGA Tour and spends a lot of time when Tiger's playing talking about his – his old uh, buddy Tiger, and they had some success together. Started with Butch Harmon, then it went to Hank Haney. Uh, and uh, Hank said the other day that, hey, if Tiger's going to play, he's only there to play because he thinks he can win. I mean, he hit those shots in his sleep. That is above any other golf course in the world, a golf course where experience matters. And no one in the field is even – I mean, I mean – who in this field that's playing at Augusta has Augusta experience like Tiger Woods? And he's also experienced 
going in there for practice rounds and not playing well and getting his game together and being in the hunt, finishing finishing fourth. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, nothing, absolutely nothing would surprise me. Nothing. There you go. Yeah, I, I would say familiarity with Augusta is something that Tiger uh, has quite a bit of, no doubt. Uh, this will be the 25-year anniversary of, uh, there it is, a win for the ages in 1997. I tweeted out the video this morning because, and I like Colin Montgomery. I really do. I think he's a funny guy. But I remember where I was. I was sitting at my desk. I was doing radio, and I was a sports director at Fox 25, and I was watching the Masters. Uh, I remember the front nine. I think Tiger shot 40, but then he was going to be paired with Colin Montgomery. You know, and Monty was kind of, you know, making a run at number one in the world and uh, saying, well, you know, I've had this experience here and, you know, that, <laughs> this and that. And Tiger went out and absolutely destroyed him the next day. Absolutely destroyed him. And Monty actually, uh, you know, met the media afterwards and he was like, there's no way that Tiger Woods is going to lose this tournament. Nobody's going to catch him. And hey. he had the look of, I just got my derriere kicked all over Augusta. <laughs> Hey, quick question. Mm-hmm. Is Vern Lundquist still on the coverage for the Masters? Uh, he's been on, yeah, he should be there on uh, uh, 16 again. I miss Vern's voice, man. 17. Him with the SEC on CBS. That I is think my he's childhood. there, right? Uh, unless I'm mistaken. Yes, two of the greatest calls, maybe. Yes, sir. And in your life, have you ever seen anything like that? Two great calls. We got another hour to go. Keep it here on the ref. Oh, yeah, here we go, Friday, hour number two, Mike Steele, Parker Thune, Steel Man and Thune at noon, well, afternoon, but that's when we started up at noon every day right here on uh, the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Friday's going all right so far. We're going to get to the Air Comfort Solutions. Uh, solutions. To, I'm having difficulty talking today. I'm having, uh, I, I thought I had my is energy it the cold? drink. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just old. It could just setting be old. in. My brain used to have high-speed internet, you know, connectivity, and sometimes there are a few days here and there, it's probably getting older, that I feel like I have dial-up, you know, boop, boop, <laughs> The old days, I'm back on, a. every now and then I'm back on AOL Instant Messenger or on MySpace, which I never had a MySpace account, but that's, today feels like my brain is that computer today. You know what I'm saying? But we are going to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in one second. Everybody who sent a text, be patient. We're going there here in a minute. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle. And that great guarantee, oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. You were talking about Vern Lundquist. He left, uh, you know, doing all those SEC games in, I believe it was 2019. But, yeah, he's still been on the call at Augusta. Good. You know, and if you think about it, who are the greatest two golfers of all time? Well, Tiger. Yes. And Well, okay. I have a feeling you're going to say Jack Nicklaus. Yes. Okay. Now, I think that, again, the way I've always described this, people say, uh, who do you like in the, in the Tiger-Jack argument? And it's really Tiger to me. 
Uh, Jack, you can say, is the most accomplished golfer in terms of majors, but I don't think anybody has played golf at a higher level than Tiger Woods. And Jack is really close, really close. But I would still go with Tiger in his prime. Uh, and I'm a man crush on Jack back in the day. The 1986 Masters, one of my greatest memories of all time as well. But if you think about it, those are the two best, right? Uh, I don't think there's anybody else really in the conversation besides those two. You could talk about Arnie. You could talk about uh, whoever you – Walter Hagen won a bunch of – I think he won, what, 11 majors? There have been some good ones. But those two have been the best. And the most memorable shots of their career, I would say Jack's putt in 1986, this for sole possession of the lead. Maybe. Yes, sir. You know, that one, Vern on the call. Tiger, 16 green against Chris DeMarco down the stretch. He hits that chip shot where if you put it in the right spot, it's going to roll down to the hole. You know, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. In your life, have you ever seen anything like that? Probably the most memorable shot of Tiger's career. Both called by Vern Lundquist. That's pretty amazing if you think about it. The most memorable shots by the two greatest golfers of all time. 20 years apart. Yes, happened. And on the 16th green and the 17th green at Augusta, and both were called by Vern Lundquist. Pretty incredible. Now, you know, you may say, well, what about Jack's one iron in 1972 at Pebble Beach? All right, do you remember who was on the call that day? No. Uh, and that was, you know, a great shot by Jack in the 72 U.S. Open, and the Tigers had plenty as well. But those two would be the ones that get the most play. Does anybody still hit a one iron? No, I don't think so. And Lee Trevino had the greatest line ever about a one iron. Lee Trevino said, you know, in a lightning storm out of the golf course, he has the perfect thing you need to do. He said, I just hold up a one iron because not even God can hit a one iron. <laughs> I had heard that before. Can you imagine trying to hit a one iron? I mean, I no, could, I cannot. I could barely hit my anything below a seven iron. Uh, so I can't imagine trying to hit a one iron. I just, back in the days when I golfed a lot, and I don't golf nearly as much as I used to, but back in the days when I golfed a lot, I got pretty good at hitting irons five through nine and the wedges. Mm -hmm. I got any higher than that? Like I, tra I tried to hit a four or a three. Yeah. That's where things got dicey. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. trying to hit a two or even a one. I'm talking about trying to hit them, too, with these forgiving clubs we play with now. Can you imagine trying to hit them with the old <laughs> blades we used to have? You know? And think about the drivers we used to hit. Now, you've had the giant, you know, humongous, cartoonish-looking driver head on your golf clubs ever since you've been alive. Back in the day, what used to look like pretty much a five wood right now was our driver, persimmon wood. I mean, it was the old days, man. Times were tough back then. They really were. They really were. All right. So uh, what do we have happening? We have uh, the Sooner softball team playing tonight against UAB. 630 Marita Hines Field. A game tomorrow, single game with UAB tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So a two-game set between the Blazers and the undefeated uh, Sooners, Oklahoma, Texas tonight start their three-game set. Night game at Globe Life Field. They'll play a noon game against the uh, Longhorns on uh, Saturday and on Sunday. So Oklahoma, Texas at Globe Life Field. We have the Thunder hosting the Pistons tonight at 7 o'clock. Cade Cunningham, probably going to be the rookie of the year. 
pretty good rookie class, but I think the way that Cade's come on, uh, I think he would be the guy right now. But the Thunder and the Pistons tonight at 7 o'clock. Somebody had texted me, Steely, who are the guys that you think are really down the stretch among the guys that are playing that have to impress the organization or perhaps another organization? Two guys that I would say that are playing right now, Bit Krejci and uh, Lindy Waters, because they're both shooters. And Lindy Waters made seven threes the other night, you know, uh, had his career high against his old Norman North teammate, Trey Young, and the Thunders lost to Atlanta. But I would say those two guys uh, will be the ones that I would be looking at down the stretch for Oklahoma City with, what, now six regular season games left for OKC. All right, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. One listener says, Parker, tell us about Justin Harrington rejoining the team. Yeah, for those of you that didn't join us last hour, Justin Harrington, the former four-star safety out of North Carolina, number actually former number one overall junior college defensive back in the class of 2020 from Bakersfield College. He had entered the transfer portal in October midseason, I believe four games into the year, and... We had not heard from him since. Hadn't found any takers in the transfer portal. Hadn't been welcomed back with Oklahoma. As of today, he is back with the team. And Brent Venables has allowed him to resume practicing. He's been cleared by compliance. He is wearing jersey number 37, and he is not on scholarship as of right now. He's going to have to earn that scholarship back because if there's one thing we know about Brent Venables, he's not a fan of guys who pick up in the middle of a season and leave their team behind. So, Justin Harrington's going to have to earn his keep at the University of Oklahoma, but he is back with the program and looked really sharp today from the brief portion of practice that we witnessed. Uh, another listener says, Roy Williams did not play at the University of Kansas. He played at Chapel Hill. Dean Smith did play at Kansas. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I never said Roy Williams did play at Kansas. That. I, just said, just I said both of yeah. them had a Jayhawk heritage. Right, which, yeah. Roy yeah. Uh, was on that staff, by the way, uh, with Dean Smith when uh, North Carolina beats Georgetown in New Orleans on the uh, Michael Jordan jumper. You know, and a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but some people think, well, Michael Jordan's last second jumper, you know, that won that game. No, it wasn't a last. That, that jumper came with like 16 seconds left, and Georgetown came back down court with a chance to, you know, possibly win the game. And Fred Brown, their point guard, got shaken in the moment and threw the ball right to James Worthy, right to him. And that ended the game. James Worthy ended up going down court. There was a foul, and uh, you know that's uh, that's how it ended. But yeah, it was still a huge shot by a freshman named Michael Jordan. At the One time. listener says he doesn't know who Dean Smith is. Steely, don't he, don't come at me like that. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. I know my history. You know that Dean Smith was Mister Four Corners back in the day too, for a while. So on the topic of Justin Harrington. One of our listeners says via the text line, so why did BV make an exception for him? He just opened Pandora's box by allowing one guy do it for one, have to do it for others. I think Venables did this the right way, though, because he didn't just welcome the guy back. He didn't say, yeah, you know what? It's all good. Water under the bridge. Come on back and let's roll. No, he put stipulations on this whole ordeal. He stripped Justin Harrington of his jersey number. He took away Justin Harrington's scholarship. Justin Harrington, like I said, is going to have to earn his keep. He is paying his own way right now. 
And so I don't see what harm it does to give a guy like Justin Harrington a second chance if it's not costing you a scholarship. And as long as there's the understanding between you and the player, in this case Justin Harrington, that, hey, this is it. We're giving you a second chance. You better take advantage of it. You better honor it. Otherwise, there's not going to be a third chance. Yeah, I wouldn't think this would be a pattern. I, I think they're giving him another shot again, and he probably had to come back and you know state his case and that kind of thing. I, I don't think Brent is going to be that kind of guy that's going to make a bunch of exceptions like that. <laughs> Somebody says, Barker, do you know who Tom Osborne is? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. Another listener says, uh, points out he left the old staff, not like he walked away with the staff now, which is fair. I still think the sentiment remains, though. You know, I I feel like Brent Venable, Brent Venable's philosophy on it is probably well. You know, if he walked away mid-season for those guys, who's to say he won't do the same for us? But again, I think he did go about it the right way, and I do think have or making him walk back onto the team is the right way to go yeah, about it because yeah, it doesn't like- cost you a scholarship, and you have literally no stake in it. If that guy proves that he's he warranted the second chance and he proves that he can be a player for your program and that he fits in the locker room and that he can assimilate to the culture, then great. If not, guess what? Cut him loose. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, again, if they were saying, all right, yeah, come on back, man. We'll put you on Scully. No problem. Yeah, you know, that, that that's not how they operate. So, yeah, no. I, I I think this is uh, is the right move. And we don't know if Justin Harrington may not play a single snap. We don't know. Maybe he plays special teams. Who knows? But I do like uh, – you, you can't lose in this situation. You're giving the kid another chance. It was a previous stab. It doesn't look good leaving – uh, you know, in the middle of the season, no doubt. But who knows? Let's just see how it plays out. But I wouldn't think this would be a pattern thing with, with this staff. Okay, uh, we'll keep those texts rolling in. If you would, we love them. 405-651-3439. That's the Air Comfort Solutions text line. we got a, go- a bunch of good uh, people on the text line all the time. Good takes, good questions. And uh, we're going to get to as many as we can. We have Brandon Drum coming up. At 135-247-sports-ou-insider.com. We'll talk a little more Sooner football also when we get back. And what about Patty Gasso and the OU softball team crushing everybody? 25 run rule victories in their 30 wins this year. But Patty is not totally pleased. We'll talk about that when we get back. All right, Friday. How you doing, Friday? We uh, we love you, Friday. You're always appreciated. Uh, hope you're having a good Friday so far. I'm Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Home of Suter Fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, we're coming back to the text line. We're going to hear from Patty Gasso in uh, just a second as well. Uh, as the Sooner women host UAB tonight at Marita Hines Field, and they'll play a single game with UAB coming up on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Again, the uh, Sooner baseball squad in Arlington to take on Texas in a three-game set at Globe Life Field. Night game tonight, and then uh, a noon game on Saturday and a noon game on Sunday. Thunder and the Pistons hosting Cade Cunningham in Detroit tonight, 7 o'clock at uh, the Paycom Center. Six games left for Oklahoma City. 
And if they lose tonight, guess what? You're tied for third in the Tankathon standings. So, lose tonight. Please, <laughs> please lose tonight. All right, so we were talking about, um, you know, Bill Self and the Blue Bloods that are playing this weekend in the Final Four. And we were talking about Carolina and Duke have never played in an NCAA tournament game. Uh, Coach K is going to have to beat his Tobacco Road rival to get to the championship game Monday night. I think it will be Duke and Kansas in the finals Monday night. Let's see. But And we were talking about, uh, you know, Michael Jordan as a freshman hitting that shot against Georgetown in the Superdome to win the national championship, and that basically began the legend of Michael Jordan. Did you know, Parker, this uh, story about Dean Smith and Michael Jordan that started right here in this building? Really? Yes, it was my first year. I came out and volunteered. It was then KNOR Radio. Okay. And uh, Dick Pryor was the sports director who has been running KGOU. And then Tim Gregg later became the sports director. James Hale was here. And I basically said, put me to work. You know, you don't have to, whatever, you know, I'll do. I'll go get all, whatever. I just wanted to get my foot in the door, you know, at a commercial station and also do my stuff at the journalism school. So they put me to work, man. They would send me out. Hey, the Norman I volleyball team's playing a big match. Go talk to, you know, the girls over there, Coach Peters or whatever. I'd go get audio from high schools, all of that stuff. That's kind of how I got started. I was a huge – I still am a college basketball fan, but I was a fanatic at that time because college basketball was just tremendous back then. I mean, you could tell you knew the starting lineups for all the teams for like three or four years because nobody hardly left early. Now, MJ played three years at Carolina, and Isaiah Thomas left. Eventually, Magic left. It started changing, but you were at least going to get two or three years out of those guys. So it was it was huge. So I went and said, "Hey, you know, North Carolina's playing tonight in the Oil Capital Classic at the Maybe Center against Tulsa. You need audio? Sure, we'll take some audio." So I made the trip, got my press pass, went up to the Maybe Center. That night, Tulsa beat North Carolina, the defending national champions. Wow. Carolina had like a lead, and then they just – Tulsa came storming back and won the game. They beat MJ. That was a North Carolina team that was preseason number one. They had uh, Jordan and Sam Perkins were on the cover of Sports Illustrated in their college basketball preview issue. But I – you know, and and Tulsa won the game. It was a a big-time atmosphere and game. So, anyway, I end up, uh, you know, going to the uh, post-game locker room. And the first thing that happened, I'm carrying my recorder around. And uh, it was Dean Smith was doing his post-game show. Dean Smith was doing his post-game show. And I was flabbergasted because he was out in the, like the, you know, the area, the walkway ramp at Lloyd Noble or something. He was in an area, you know, wasn't in the locker room, but just outside the locker room. And Dean's smoking a cigarette. Dean is smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, what? Dean Smith smokes? But yes, he did. So that was my first surprise. So I had a moment where I might have been fired, um, but I, I, I... I made a good decision. Okay. And that was, so I go to the Carolina locker room. I go to the Carolina locker room, and uh, you walk in the door, and there's kind of a a partition that separates a little walkway once you get in the door that you walk around and you get back to the locker room area. 
But right inside the door, right by that partition that separates, you know, the, that walkway from the locker room, there's a one of those giant hampers, you know, where they throw their stuff in. Okay. On Hanging on the side, hanging on the side of that hamper was a jersey that said 23 Jordan. Okay. That was the only one hanging on the side. The others were already, they'd been thrown in the, in the hamper. They were they were there, and you know you you weren't gonna be able to you know you would have to. But I very easily could have you know, and, and it was that Animal House moment. Get it? This is your shot. Nobody's here. <laughs> Take it now. You've got a briefcase and a recorder. Put it in your briefcase and leave. And then the good angel said, "Ah, you're just getting started, dude. Plus, it's very sweaty." You know, you're going to have to stuff a sweaty Michael Jordan Carolina jersey in your briefcase. That briefcase will never smell the same. It will smell like MJ. So I contemplated for about 60 seconds, said, better not. What do you think that jersey would have been worth? It was right there. And it was so ironic that it wasn't like Brad Doherty's jersey or Sam Perkins' jersey or... Steve Hale, who was a freshman on that team from Jinx, and I think that's probably why they played in that tournament because Dean Smith used to schedule games in your hometown when he recruited you. That was one of his things for, and that would be my guess probably why they played in that Oil Capital Classic game in Tulsa back in the day. But it had to be Jordan 23. It was like, it was almost like it was hanging there on the side of that hamper waiting for somebody to take it. It was almost like there was going to be a hidden camera there. Let's leave, My- leave Michael's <laughs> jersey right here and see if some fool will take it. But I decided not to. But it was there. It was right there. You'd be a lot richer man today. If I you would be. A man, I might be like Uncle Rico. I'd be uh, soaking <laughs> it up in a hot tub. I've already got my soulmate, Shay, but a big old mansion somewhere. All off the MJ jersey, right? I'd be I'd be living in Bob Stoops' place if I'd have let that appreciate right over the years. Maybe not. All right, uh, Patty Gasso and the Sooner women's softball team. How would you describe the uh, Sooner women's softball team and the rest of college softball? Are they um, well? David beat Goliath, so you don't want that analogy. But Godzilla trampling Tokyo. They're in a different galaxy, Mike. Like, I don't think they're going to lose a game. It might happen, but as good as they've been, and think about what they did, they have two walk-off wins. When they were challenged this year, and look, UCLA challenged them too, but the Tennessee victory, unbelievable to get that done. That was Jada Coleman, right? And then uh, uh, Tiari Jennings did it against Baylor over the weekend. They're 30-0. They run-ruled 25 of their 30 opponents. So, Patty Gasso, I mean, it's – it's hard to be that critical of a team that is 30-0, but Patty said they can be better, and she said uh, the run rules, maybe she's not the biggest fan of those right now. Run rules are, are good, but they're, they're becoming a little bit poisonous to us. <laughs> and it's not like I could tell a team, hey, let's just slow it down and play seven innings. They're just doing what they're doing, but... Through that, we're getting, I think, kind of lost in the idea that we are that good right now. We can get a run rule on somebody, um, 
but it doesn't make us good enough. So I'm continuing to, I mean, just I'm continuing to get on these athletes as to what we need to do, the little things, attentive, focused, all of those things. It's easy to get away from those things when you get big scores. There you go. I mean, you've got to have something, right, uh, that you can say. I mean, you, you can't go out there and say, you know, well, pff, we're so much better than everybody else. You know, we can get away which, with this. Which they are, to be they, fair. They are. But, again, they're going to be challenged at some point. Obviously, maybe it's the uh, the Super Regional. Maybe it's the Women's College World Series. They're, they're going to have to earn this. Uh, it would be a shock to me if they don't win it. But you never know. But they have UAB again tonight at Marita Heinz Field at 6.30. And then they play a single game with UAB. And that is coming up on uh, Saturday tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So, busy sports weekend as usual. And tomorrow we will be three weeks away from the Sooner Spring Game, April 23rd. Trying to pack the uh, Palace on the Prairie. 3 o'clock kickoff, Baker Mayfield uh, statue ceremony. Halftime of the spring game coming up. Again, three weeks from tomorrow. All right, let's break right here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle from the Seth Wadley Auto Group and a tremendous guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That's a great deal right there. Stay with us. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here on The Ref on a Friday. Brandon Drum will join us right around the corner. All right, welcome back. Brandon Drum, that, that might be the greatest open for a guest right there that we have. I tell you, well, we're, we're also nice. about to find out if our phone line gremlins have departed. Yes, Brandon uh, joining us on the law offices of Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. Brandon, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. All right, the phone line the is phone working. The phone line we is had, working. We had a so. problem yesterday. We had a little problem yesterday. All right, Brandon, uh, the Levius-Overton situation. Sooners were obviously hoping to get that visit, but that visit's not happening. And is this uh, A&M's money at play again that we're talking about? Because it sure seems like everybody all of a sudden wants to go to Texas A&M or a large chunk of the big-time prospects out there want to go to A&M. How much of this is pure NIL stuff, you think, with the Aggies? Uh, I mean, he he grew up, you know, around the program. Uh, his dad obviously was uh, in the athletic department for about 11 years. So, I mean, I don't think it's overly shocking. Yeah, but um, not necessarily just Overton in particular, but it seems like all the – what do they have – what did we say yesterday, Parker? Was it eight? Well, I mean – Five stars? Hey, look, they, they, yeah, it's stupid. It's something from like 20 – Parker and I talked about it one time on a podcast, and from like 2020 to now they have uh, – it's, it's – what is it, 13, 14, something like that total, something stupid in like the last three years. Um, and it, it, it is, it's absurd. Um, Jimbo did the same thing at Florida state. Um, and then when stuff started to, and I, I hate to say, you know, he's cheating, but I mean, everywhere he's been, it's kind of been his, his way of doing things. And then he leaves when, you know, he can't, the gig is up basically, and he can't do it any longer. And the roster starts to get 
bad. Uh, so, I mean, this is kind of his MO. He's in the, he's in the uh, forefront of it. Um, so I would imagine, you know, by 2025, 20, something like that, 24, things start to flip on them a little bit. And you start to see some different type of classes. That's, that's kind of his MO. I mean, it's been how he's done things. So, uh, it, it's it's stupid. It's absurd. But A and M has always recruited well too. But not at this level, obviously. But they've recruited well. I mean, they did the same thing under Sumlin. They got super hot, and you know, but you can't buy culture, as one Parker Thune has told it a thousand <laughs> times on the uh, on the podcast. So you know, you can buy players, you can't buy culture. Now, Brandon, the question from the OU perspective now becomes, well, the Sooners were holding two scholarships for LT Overton and his brother Micaiah. What becomes of those two scholarships now that the Overtons appear to be off the table for good? Well, it looks like Justin Harrington's going to look for, try to get, get one of them, right? Um, or work hard for one of them uh, on his way back uh, as a walk-on now. It's kind of weird to see one of the top four-star players in the country be a walk-on just to earn his way back on the team. He must really want it. Uh, yeah, I, look, you got to go offense. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day. He said, man, you know, the defense side of the ball doesn't really need a whole lot, if anything. He said, you know, they've done a good job in the portal with the defensive side. They've done a good job recruiting on the defensive side. And that is why this, this Overton deal wasn't really that big of a deal for Oklahoma. I mean, they wanted him. They wanted his brother. But at the same time, it wasn't make or break for him. You know, like, they're not going to win or lose ball games because they got LT Overton or didn't get LT Overton. So they need depth at quarterback. They need depth at running back and wide receiver. That is where they are at right now. Uh, that is the need. And if you would have said that type of talk two years ago, it would have been the other side of the ball that was needing depth and talent and all that type of stuff. And now here we are, even post Mule Shoe and Speed D, and they're still, they did, they, they actually, you know, you got to give them credit. They did a good job building the defensive roster. You really do. You have to give them credit. Brandon Drum with us, 247sportsounsider.com, joining us every Friday. Give me, uh, and both you guys can chime on in this, a good head-to-head battle that could shape up between OU and USC where the Sooners could rip Muleshoe's heart out uh, at, at the last second with a recruit they're both going after. Ooh, man. Uh, Parker, dang. I don't know, because OU's not really recruiting the West Coast all that hard. I think that's kind of the the gist there. Uh, what do you think, Parker? I yeah, mean, I would I say kind of... offhand, the only guy that comes to mind immediately that Oklahoma and uh, Anthony USC. Hill. There you go. Anthony Hill out of Denton Ryan, the five-star linebacker. And and uh, Trey Wisner, the four-star running back out of Waco yeah. Connolly. Um, yeah. Oklahoma appears to be in the driver's seat for Wisner. Hill appears to be... A little bit more of an open book right now, but uh, we'll see what becomes of those. Brandon, as far as this team is concerned, 
you know, not just talking about the guys that will be part of this locker room down the road, but the guys that are part of the locker room right now. In terms of what you've seen, in terms of what you heard through two weeks of spring practice, who are some of the guys that you expect to make a big jump and contribute to this team in an expanded capacity this fall? Uh, Ethan Downs is probably number one on the on the docket. Uh, he is, uh, no matter who you talk to, though, I mean, what would it, Chavis called him a monster. When I asked him the question, I said, you know, how's Ethan Downs doing? He goes, dude, Ethan Downs is a monster. This is in a presser, folks. So, and, and this, this staff isn't real big on, you know, pumping dudes up. That's just not, that's not their MO. It's not how they do things. They're about work. They're about, you know, earning that type of talk. But I think when you watch what Downs did during the bowl game, you kind of see what he's, how he's transformed his body during the off season. And you're a new coach like, you know, Miguel Chavis is, and you have a guy that has a talent of an Ethan Downs and an upside like an Ethan Downs, you kind of, you know, gravitate towards that and even some of the videos that they put out there you hear him yelling you know way to go e way to go e and and going up to ethan and you know patting him on the back and high-fiving him and all that type of stuff so i think ethan downs you know would be number one on the docket for me i i I, you know i'm I'm gonna say jaleel farouk the other one you know we've heard nothing but great things and I even had somebody say he could be the best wide receiver on the team when it's all said and done this year and I thought that was kind of heavy talk considering Marvin Mims is still on the team and so is Theo East but that's big and if the bowl game again is any indication of what we're going to see from Jalil Farouk well you fans have a lot to be excited about Brandon Drum with us 247 Sports, So the spring game, again, is going to uh, be, uh, we talk about three weeks from tomorrow. Uh, what would you highlight for Sooner fans about players we know that are coming in that weekend? Give me three big prospects they need to be thinking about. Derek LeBlanc. Um, shoot. That's off the top of my head, uh, Parker. You, you. I mean, I, we we named him the other day. I I I got him written down. Um, was it Derek LeBlanc? Um, oh, uh, Beeman's coming back uh, from Alabama for twenty twenty four four star. Nigel Ethan Smith Delimic. will be back. Yeah, Nigel Smith will be back. Uh, dude, there was a really, it was kind of a, it was kind of a big list, big name too, list. Um, Trey Wisner will be back as well. Yeah. Um, Jacoby Johnson will be there. Um, I want to say, uh, you know, there'll probably be a couple of four or five, there'll probably be a couple of five stars around. Oh, um, oh my gosh. Uh, I think T.A. Cunningham said he's trying to come back for the for the uh, uh, the spring game, so that would be big for Oklahoma. I wouldn't be shocked if David Stone showed up, considering he's starting to make the rounds to a bunch of places. 
So, I mean, there's there's going to be a long list of big names. It's kind of early, you know, for for you know everybody to commit to that type of stuff. I think it was about two weeks out that we really started getting the the big junior day this past weekend of everybody. So I think within the next seven to 10 days, we'll really have a, a solid sense of who's coming back. But I thought that Derek LeBlanc more than anything was a big deal. And I know I'm going to get off air and I'm going to have like five names pop in my head that were like big that we talked about on the podcast the other day. But the fact that Derek LeBlanc's coming back on April 22nd through the 25th, and then turning back around and coming back again. These are all unofficial visits, mind you. They do not have an official visit set up. And he's a five-star defense alignment. So he's coming back again after that, May 31st, June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And they will be there the whole time. And his father says, we don't have a, you know, an official visit set. We'll set that up later on. And he's supposed to decide on July 23rd. So I always say follow the visits. And... That one's that's pretty absurd to spend eleven days in Norman, Oklahoma, in a matter of two months. There you go, Brandon Drum, two four seven Sports, OUinsider dot com, joining us every Friday right here on the program. Brandon, we appreciate it. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you guys. You too. Brandon Drum joining us on the law offices of Rod Pulse and Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. We don't have a big uh, Friday night promotional drawing this Friday at Riverwind. They'll return next Friday, but we do have the lineup for the Beats and Bites Outdoor Concert Series beginning May 28th. Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas. What a great kickoff show that'll be May 28th. Outdoors at Riverwind with all the food trucks, the craft beer from Coop Ale Works. Great time for everybody out there. Then in June, June, Everclear, Sister Hazel, and Deep Blue Something on June 18th and July. Two shows, July 9th, Randy Rogers Band will be on stage, followed by a great fireworks show afterwards. And then July 30th, Scotty McCreary will be on the stage at the Beats and Bites Festival out at Riverwind Casino. You can get your tickets. They're only 5 bucks a piece. And you can get them online right now at Riverwind.com. Beats and Bites, starting off with Night Ranger and Starship again on May 28th. Outdoors at Riverwind. Simply the best. Be right back. It is almost closing time. Ah, what a good song that is. Really good one. All right, welcome back. Uh, what do we think, Parker? We want to get to the text line and then make our picks on the uh, on the final four games? Let's hit it. Okay, one no, listener says, thanks, Parker, for info on Harrington. Definitely needs to earn the team's and staff's respect and trust back. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality. That's what you're dealing with with Justin Harrington. He's kind of behind the eight ball. And the good news is he's still very popular among the players. It's going to be a matter of winning the coaches over because all they know about Justin Harrington at this point is that he left. Yeah. So that'll be a process. But if he continues to perform the way that he did in practice today, that will no doubt help. As far as uh, the recruiting conversation is concerned, another listener says sent this in for Wednesday needs to be reiterated now that one is off the board. Venables needs to land two of Overton Hicks and Raynaud, or else he's not the guy. 
oh, you can't afford to wait until 2024 to have a good class on the lines and walk into the SEC limping. Really? We're going to say, okay, we're going to say based on three recruitments, we're going to say based on Oklahoma's pursuit of three defensive linemen, that that is what Brent Venables' status as the guy hinges on. People are already going to fire Brent Venables if David Hicks and or Jordan Renaud end up not signing with Oklahoma. Is that where we're at? Sometimes in recruiting, yes. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you need to let <laughs> think about think about what they did with the class that people thought was going to fall apart, right? And they actually increased. Yeah, the legit. Ranking. Yeah, like that's asinine. That's utterly asinine to say that. Okay, these three players, Venables needs to get two of the three, or else he's not the guy. And oh, you should find someone else. Really, way, way too early to make a call like that. Um, you know, would it be important? Would it be great? Absolutely, one hundred percent. But uh, based on what we've seen so far, like I said, man, they came in and they. Everybody thought, you know. It was, uh, you know, man the lifeboats off the Titanic. People are just going to be leaving left and right in this recruiting class. And a few did, but based on what they did, I mean, think about getting Nick Evers and think about getting Jaden Gibson, some of the guys they got, Jaron Canick down the stretch, you know, and that, you know, uh, was a weird deal, but he winds up at Oklahoma. So, yeah, I think this this staff will be fine in look, terms of recruiting long term. Look, the reality is they they are going to be fine, and Oklahoma will sign five stars down the road. They will continue to sign high four stars, and if DJ Hicks gets away and he ends up going to College Station too, that's not going to break the bank at Oklahoma. I think it's so. Not many, so many of the fans are so starved to see. You know, multiple five stars signing on the defensive side of the ball. And they, they feel that's why I think they're freaking out a little bit because they've seen a few get away that Oklahoma may have had a, a decent shot at. Uh, and they're just so – they've got this insatiable appetite to see better defense and particularly, you know, big-time recruits coming in to help in that respect. All right. Another listener says, that guy is a clown. OU is doing just fine with recruiting. Let this man get the guys he wants and develop them. You want to make picks real quick before we get out of here? I think we've got what Duke we and Kansas. Uh, I'm going Duke and Kansas. Kansas beats Nova 70 to 64 is the final. I'm saying 70 64 KU over Nova. Duke 78, Carolina 73 in the other semifinal matchup. So Kansas and Duke, Coach K, Bill Self go for the national championship on Monday night. So, man, you got a long weekend. Man, you are you are on the road again like Willie Nelson. Oh, Jeez. Man. I'm not even sure Willie Nelson is on the road as much as I am these days. Spring, seven-on-seven seven season, spend a lot of time driving. Yeah. Well, be careful, man. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. And thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour. You want to get locked in? Yeah, you do. On OU football, all that stuff that Parker and uh, Tyler McComas deliver, it's coming right up. Coming right up. I hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Sooner softball. Maybe you're going to Arlington for baseball. Thunder and the Pistons tonight. Final four tomorrow. Remember, those are TBS games, not CBS games. But everybody have a great weekend. Appreciate you being here all week, and we will see you on Monday. Locked In is coming up next.